You're listening to the podcast of Father Billy Daniel. I am an Episcopal priest serving in Church of the Ascension in Knoxville, Tennessee. This podcast features sermons, reflections, and occasional conversations to help you deepen your spiritual life. To learn more about me or to get connected, please visit fatherbillydaniel.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. This homily was preached in Church of the Ascension in Knoxville, Tennessee on Sunday, October the 23rd, 2022. You know that feeling you get inside, that warm and fuzzy feeling we all experience when we know that someone is judging us? It feels great, doesn't it? Sometimes it's an expression on a person's face that says, really, that's what you decided to wear on your way out the door? Or when someone says something to you along the lines of, well, I wouldn't do it that way, but if it works for you, I'm sure it will be fine. More often than not, it's a look and a stare, an upturned nose, a raised eyebrow, you know, like some of you are giving me right now. I had the good pleasure of wandering over to Fish yesterday to drop in on our young people who were serving at the pantry. I made it just in time for the little powwow that the volunteers have before guests start to arrive through the line. The main purpose of this meeting is to review with everyone Fish Hospitality's core values, which guide how they serve. Fred, a tall black man that I see every time I'm at the food pantry, chimed right in and said, non-judgment is a core value here at Fish. When guests come to us, we treat them with respect. There's no judgment here. Fred went on to say that you might see someone pull up in a car that seems too nice for someone to come through the line of a food pantry. You don't know what's going on in their lives. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what people are going through. Whoever comes here to get food receives food. No questions asked. No questions asked. Ask and you shall receive. It sounds a lot like Jesus. A couple of others chimed in. They talked about maintaining one another's dignity and sense of agency, letting people pick out their own food rather than just giving them what's lying around. Fish feels less like going to the food pantry and more like going to the farmer's market. And then someone voiced aloud, we want to treat everybody that comes through here as they are. When he said this, the word struck my ears a bit awkward, and for a moment I thought he must have meant to rephrase it a different way. And so I kept repeating it over and over in my head. We want to treat everybody that comes through here As they are, as they are, 
Not how I think they are, but as they are. Not who I think they should be, but as they are. Ivan Illich, the radical Catholic priest from the 60s and 70s who was silenced by the Vatican, said that the true mark of inhabiting this world as Christ is that we learn to trust that people are who they say they are. It doesn't mean that we will not be deceived. It does mean, however, that I can trust someone into becoming who God wants them to be. Love, as Paul writes to the Corinthians, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, trusts all things. As Jim Wright wrapped up our discussion of fish values, he reminded all of us that the way people are treated is as nourishing as the actual food they will get here today. The way people are treated is as nourishing as the actual food they receive. Can you just imagine living life like this every day? Can you just imagine what sort of transformation we might bring about in this world if we suspended judgment trusting that how I connect with others might actually nourish and enrich their lives so that they too, they too come to trust that God is making somebody of both of us together. It changes everything. No stone is left unturned. I am released of suspicion, fear, all manner of anxiety, and as I set aside all presumption of who I think someone is or ought to be and treat others as they are, I may very well see Christ. It's so easy to get hung up on who we think others ought to be, locked in my mind about all manner of expectation, failing to see the fullness of the person before me, failing to see others with a spirit of generosity. And it is to this spirit of generosity that our gospel reading calls us today. Luke sets the stage quite well for us, telling us that Jesus told a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. The audience is clear. The parable is for those who confide in themselves for their righteousness and hold others in contempt. So, none of us here in this room. And like all of Jesus' parables, he's painting a picture Two men go up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee who knows his way around the temple goes all the way down front because he knows that God wants to hear everything he has to say. The tax collector who tiptoes in, constantly ducking his head, worried that his very presence in the temple might cause the roof to cave in, finds a quiet place off to the side 
where he hopes no one will notice him as he begins to rend his heart, beating his chest before God, softly calling out to the Lord, have mercy, have mercy, O Lord, I've caused much harm. Each person brings a different awareness of who they think they are. The Pharisee, as we might put it in today's terms, is full of himself. He trusts only in himself. He knows he's better than that tax collector because, well, he doesn't work for the government. He doesn't make a living exploiting his own people. Yet he fails to recognize that his own sense of respectability comes only from judging and limiting the agency of others. The tax collector, on the other hand, has had a change of heart. He recognizes that he's been exploiting his neighbors. Convicted, he goes to the temple to ask God for forgiveness so that he might start anew, as we learn of Zacchaeus later on. How each of these persons, the Pharisee and tax collector, speak of themselves to God is itself the building of a house, the making of a temple, as it were. As the great Sufi master and poet Hafez reminds, our words become the houses in which we live. Our words become the houses in which we live. The Pharisee makes his home out of the building blocks of judgment. He understands who he is not in relation to how he has been given life from the abundance of God's love. Rather, he understands who he is relative to the apparent shortcomings of others. Each man goes to the temple to pray. Only one, however... Only one seems to recognize that his body, his very life, is a temple that is continually being built and rebuilt through prayer, through the grace of forgiveness. What is the house? What is the temple that we are making of ourselves by our manner of speaking? And by speaking here, I mean all the ways we speak with our eyes, our expressions, our movements, not simply the words that pass through our lips. The challenge that we face, the challenge posed to all of us Pharisees, is recognizing where we place our trust. Where we locate our trust breeds a certain kind of disposition toward others. If I understand the source of my goodness to be me, I will only see others, how they measure up to almighty me. Luke, however, wants to make sure we do not miss the mark on this. The way that Luke compiles his gospel helps us recognize beyond the shadow of a doubt, that Jesus is the source. 
While we are often tempted to think that we are the source of our own goodness, it is clear, it is clear that only God can be the source of goodness, for God alone is good. Just after telling this parable, which has everything to do with humility, there are two scenes in Luke's gospel that emphasize the reality to which Jesus is pointing First, while everyone is astounded by what Jesus is saying and doing, mothers and fathers begin bringing all their children down to Jesus so that they can be near this main attraction. And you can see that the disciples are picking up on how people are objectifying Jesus in some way. Yet Jesus' response is clear. Let the children come Do not stop them. And then Jesus goes on to say, Whoever does not receive the kingdom as a child shall most certainly not enter in. The strong connection Jesus makes here is between receiving children and receiving the kingdom. If you do not welcome children, you cannot welcome as a child. The two go hand in hand. How I relate to children is how I relate to the kingdom of heaven. I've witnessed many glaring eyes at a crying child in church. Little do people know that they're glaring at the kingdom, which in my experience often makes the kingdom louder When we smile at that kingdom, however, it tends to smile back as we both learn to walk home together as children of our most motherly father. Luke then tells us about a young man who comes to Jesus saying, Good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And without missing a beat, Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. Even Jesus, even Jesus, God incarnate, locates his goodness not in himself, but in his communion with the Father and Spirit. As Paul reminds in his letter to the Philippians, though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead emptied himself, taking the form of a slave going even so far as dying, even death on a cross. When we judge, when we glare, snub our nose, or consider ourselves better than others, we are locating the source of our goodness in ourselves, which only leads to hardness of heart and to our own detriment and downfall. Yet when I can look upon another person and treat them as they are, my sense of goodness expands as I grow increasingly to trust in the source of goodness, God, in whom we are all becoming good by grace together. The first sign that I consider myself the source of my own goodness is when I regard others with contempt. 
judging them for not being who I think they ought or need to be. Trusting in God, however, the source of goodness, I am able to receive others with a spirit of generosity, treating them as they are, working to nourish others with the same grace and kindness, the same mercy I have received from God in Christ. And it is this food, this food of abundant grace, mercy, and kindness that only expands as we share it with others. And this is the food that our world desperately needs. And the change of heart to which Jesus calls is learning to see myself in others. And when prayer for God's mercy becomes the fruit of our lips, we will acquire the humility requisite for loving our neighbors as ourselves. We will acquire a spirit of generosity that suspends judgment and opens the door to aliveness with God within us all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about what we're doing in Church of the Ascension, visit knoxvilleascension.org.